right. Um, yeah, it doesn't, doesn't sound like. Let me let me try to connect to it again. Oh, you know what? I know what I know what it is. I think it's do we have a lot of readers online? Who do we have? Everyone here local, so it doesn't matter. Except for like Ya'amod ma'in, ta'amod ma'in, ben Abraham la humash. Tzvayehi mihet shenatayim yamim, u'ufar'o cholem vehine omed, Al hai or vehin vehin hai or o lot sheva parot yafot mare ubriyot basar vatir ena baahu vehin sheva parot acherot. Olot acharehen min ha'or raot mare vedakot basar vataamodena etzel haparot asefat ha'or. Read the English. It happened at the end of two years to the day. Pharaoh was dreaming, 
that behold, he was standing over the river. And behold, out of the river, there emerged seven cows of beautiful appearance and robust flesh, and they were grazing in the marshland. Then behold, seven other cows emerged after them out of the river of ugly appearance and gaunt flesh. And they stood next to the cows on the bank of the river. The cows of ugly appearance and gaunt flesh ate the seven cows of beautiful appearance and robust, and Pharaoh awoke. He fell asleep and dreamt a second time, and behold, seven ears of grain were sprouting on a single stalk, healthy and good, and behold, seven ears, thin and scorched by the east wind, were growing after them. Then the seven thin ears swallowed up the seven healthy and full ears. Pharaoh awoke, and behold, it had been a dream, and it was in the morning his spirit was agitated. So he sent and summoned all the necromancers of Egypt and all its wise men. Pharaoh related his dream to him, but none could interpret them for Pharaoh. Then the chamberlain of the cupbearers spoke up before Pharaoh, What transgressions do I mention today? Pharaoh had become incensed at his servants and placed me in the ward of the house of the chamberlain of the butchers, me in the chamberlain of the bakers. We dreamt a dream on the same night, I and he, each one according to the interpretation of his dream did we dream. And there with us was a Hebrew youth, a slave of the chamberlain of the butchers. We related it to him, and he interpreted our dreams for us. He interpreted for each in accordance with his dream. And it was the, that just as he interpreted for us, so did it happen. And he restored to my post, and him he hanged. So Pharaoh sent and summoned Joseph, and they rushed him from the dungeon. He shaved and changed his clothes, and he came to Pharaoh. And Pharaoh said to yeah. All right. Any commentaries? Hello? Yeah. Yeah, um it's interesting though in that in those first few verses it says at the end well in in the in the english it says at the end of two full years and but in in the hebrew it says more literally it says um two years of days so years of days and one one commentator i i, I don't remember who it was uh, the, it, was, it, was, it was possibly Midrash. They said that it was um, that two years of days to that date was the starting uh, point of that counting was from when Yosef asked the, um, was it the cupbearer? Mm -hmm. When he asked the cupbearer um, to, to think of him and to remember him. And to tell them, you know, what he did for them, and the commentator said that Yosef's fault was that he relied too much on the cupbearer to um, to set him free. I don't. I'm not sure if that's true, but the the point of it was was to remember that even though we should do everything earthly, you know, in in our in our capacity to accomplish, you know, what we need to do. That we have to ultimately rely on on God to, to to bring it to give us anything good to give to bring any any blessing, and so he was saying that that Yosef, because of his 
too much reliance on um, on the cupbearer on on a man that he that he had to wait two more full years in prison. That reminds me of something that um, I think it was Carolyn Hyde. Uh, she's an Israeli and she's a singer, and she um, would talk to her friends in Israel, and she would. And it, it was it was at a time when Israel was being bombed a lot by Palestine, and she would talk to her friends in Israel, and she would ask them how they feel about you know about the about the conflict between Israel and Palestine. And there was this common sentiment among the Israelis, and they said, if things get really bad. America will step in and save us. And she was very disheartened about that, saying, like, why are we relying? Why are all these Israelis relying on America to save us? And it's also, it's kind of like in, in biblical history when Israel was relying on their alliance with Egypt to save them. Um, and although, you know, it's good, you know, in, in, um, in the regular Haftarah portion, when it's not Hanukkah, it was it starts talking about Solomon and how he made an alliance with uh, the king of uh, the, the king of Egypt by by marrying his daughter. Um, but yet, you know, we're 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 told that our our strength doesn't lie in in man that it that it relies on. Well, you uh, mean I mean maybe other nations they can rely on their might, but and for a people that has God as their king. We need to rely on him first and foremost, do everything in our power, but ultimately realize that it's our faithfulness to the covenant that brings us blessings or curses. I think also that I've heard that the end of two years um, to the day is like also like um, it could have been Pharaoh's birthday, and that was his birthday again. I heard that. And also, that also could have been like Rosh Hashanah, like the beginning of the year. So there's, there's another interpretation. I'm not sure if they're midrash or where they're coming. Where they? Those are the ones I heard too. Maybe they could be all three of them. It all happened exactly on the same day. We don't know. Could have been. All right. Um, who's next? Um, yeah, Ahmad, Vincent, Ben, Wah, Rahumash, Joseph, I had a dream. There was, there is no one who can inter interpret it. I heard that when you hear a dream, you can explain it. Jo Joseph answered Pharaoh, "It is not by my own power, but God may provide an answer concerning Pharaoh's fortune." Pharaoh related it to Joseph. In my dream, I was standing on, on the bank of the Nile. Seven fat, handsome cows emerged from the Nile and grazed in the marsh grass. 
Then, just as suddenly, seven other cows emerged after them, very badly formed and emaciated, emaciated, emaciated. I never saw such bad ones in, e in all Egypt. The emaciated bad cows proceeded to eat the first seven cows, seven healthy cows. These were completely swallowed by the emaci emaciated cows, but there was no way of telling that they were inside the cows, that they were inside. The cows looked just, just as bad as they had at first when they woke then I woke up. Then I had another dream. There was, there were seven full good ears of grain growing in one on one stalk. Suddenly, seven other ears of grain grew behind them. The second ones were shriveled, thin, and scorched by the east desert wind. Then thin, the thin ears were swallowed up by seven good ears. No, the thin ears swallowed up the... Oh, the, this thin ears swallowed up the seven good ears. I told this to the symbolists, but no one, no one of them could interpret for me. So Joseph said to Pharaoh, Pharaoh's dream had a single meaning. God has told Pharaoh what? He is what is, what he is about to do. What the, the seven cows were seven years, the seven good ears the same seven years. It is one dream the seven emaciated bad cows who came up after the first ones are also seven years. The seven empty wind scorched uh wind scorched ears will Likewise, be seven years of famine. It is all it is I have told Pharaoh. It is as I have told Pharaoh. God has shown Pharaoh what he is about to do. Seven years are coming during which there will be great surplus of food all over Egypt. These will be followed by seven years of famine. When all the surplus in Egypt will be forgotten. The famine will ravage, ravage the land. The uh, ensuing, ensuing? ensuing famine will be so terrible that there will be no way of telling that there was once a surplus in the land. The reasons that Pharaoh had the same dream twice is because the process has already been sent in motion in, by God, and God is rushing to do it. Now Pharaoh, now Pharaoh must seek out a man with insighting and wisdom and place him in charge of Egypt. Pharaoh must then take further action and appoint officials over the land. A rotating rationing system will have to be set up. A rationing system will have to be set up. Over during the seven years of surplus, let the officials collect all the food during the 
these coming good years, and let them and let them store the grain under Pharaoh's control. The food will be kept in the city under guard. The food, the food then can be held in reserve for the for the land when the seven famine years come to Egypt. The land will then not be depopulated by the famine. Will then be de then not be depopulated by the famine. Pharaoh and all his advisors considered it an excellent plan. Pharaoh said to his advisors, Can there be another person who has God's spirit in him as this man does? Mm -hmm. Yosef gave the, he said it was God who's going to give him the, the answer, not, not of, his, of himself, obviously. Um, but also, I was thinking, I wonder if we have leaders that have strange dreams now, you know? Like, I wonder if they seek out people who interpret their dreams or just you know, think it's okay. It's, like, ah, it's just a dream. It's interesting that Pharaoh was troubled by this dream. I wonder if we have leaders now that have the same similar thing. Do they get troubled by their dreams? I have a question. Yeah. It seems it was more commonplace for leaders in the days of the Bible to um, to pay to pay attention to their dreams. Mm -hmm. What was your question? So I'm wondering how come how did Pharaoh know that like something was going to happen? He did it, that's why he... Why, but how come he knew, how come he, he was troubled by it? If you had a dream like that, would you be troubled by it? I just think it was a nightmare or something. Well, that's troubling, right? <laughs> I just think that would be... Yeah, but I wouldn't like, I wouldn't like... There's something in that, in, that we read, I think it was in the Mishnah, was it, was it in the Mishnah? And it specifically said that if you have a dream that troubles you, that you should fast the following day. I think there were some ex exceptions, like if it's Shabbat or uh, there, it, that that you should do a day fast, basically fast for that for that day, um, until you uh, what was it? Uh, find some kind of peace about it, right? Yeah. So um, the ancients, you know, are they cared about dreams, not just the people of the Bible, but um, but e even even I mean I mean not just Israel, but even other nations cared about their dreams, and uh, even even today, there I, th I believe there's there's a lot of people who 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 can receive dreams that can be very meaningful, and and I think I think really, at least according to the Mishnah, the question is, does it trouble your soul? Does it trouble your spirit? Does it speak to your soul? Does it speak to your heart? That is the question, or is it or is it or is it understandably in your own eyes just a reflection of you know some bad food or a bad movie that you watched? You know, you you God will speak to each and every single one of us individually. Sometimes also repetitive. There'll be a, a recurring dream that 
keeps happening. It might, it might trouble you. It keeps happening. You're like, what? It's kind of scaring me. All right. I mean, I bet I would be scared if the same dream were like they they were remotely the same. And it kept happening. happening. Yeah. I usually get part two of my dreams. All right. Yamod Rafael ben Ruben la Huma. Pharaoh said to Joseph, since God has informed you about all this, there can be no one with as much insight and wisdom as you. You shall be in charge of my government, and food shall be distributed to my people by your orders. Only by the throne will I outrank you. Pharaoh then formally declared to jo Joseph, I am placing you in charge of the entire land of Egypt. Pharaoh took his ring off his own hand and placed it on the hand of Joseph. He had dressed him in the finest linen garments and placed a gold chain around his neck. He had Joseph ride in his second royal chariot, and those going ahead of him announced the viceroy. The viceroy. Joseph was thus given authority over all Egypt. <laughs> Pharaoh said to Joseph, I am Pharaoh. Without your say, no man will lift a hand or foot in all Egypt. Pharaoh gave Joseph the name Safnath Panea. He gave him Asenath, daughter of Potipharah, the priest of On, as a wife. Joseph thus went out to oversee Egypt. When he stood before Pharaoh, Joseph was 30 years old. Joseph left Pharaoh's court, and he made an inspection tour of the entire land of Egypt. During the seven years of surplus, the land produced loads of grain. Joseph collected the food during the seven years that Egypt was now enjoying, and he placed the food in the cities. The food growing in the fields around each city was placed inside the city. Joseph accumulated so much grain, it was like the sand of the sea. They had to give up counting it, since there was too much to count. Joseph had two sons before the famine years came, <laughs> born to him by Asenah, daughter of Potipharah, priest of On. Joseph named the firstborn Manasseh, because God has 
made me forget Nasha, all my troubles, and even my father's house. He named his second son Ephraim because God has made me fruitful, free, in the land of my suffering. So this is where Yosef became second in command of all of Egypt. He was the, the regular Egyptian as, as Pharaoh or as the leader, or as the controller of Egypt. So he had a very big, very high power. <laughs> and also, essentially, he controlled the food. He controlled the food of everybody, right? I mean, they had plenty, so I'm sure, like, everybody who had food that was perishable got to got to eat that food, and you know, they were they were living, they were eating eating good. But if it wasn't a if it wasn't a perishable type of food like the grain, I bet um, you know. Yosef would, you know, say you can only have this much grain. He limited them and took all the rest of it stored. So he controlled their food. All right, let's continue on. Does anybody else have anything to say? Yeah, just um, Yosef was very faithful to Hashem, and he, you know, when he was a, uh, when he was a. Um, a child in his father's house, young man in his father's house, he was very favored and um, by his by his father, and he was treated special, and and then he was humbled because he was he was sold by his brothers in Egypt, and then in Potiphar's house he was merely a slave, and he remained faithful to God and he was exalted again and he became Potiphar's favorite basically and then he was humbled again and he went to prison and and he had another you know he he again for the third time um actually second time he he got a really lowly status again in prison and um because of his faithfulness again hashem exalted him once more um but then he was hoping that he would get out of prison and he had to wait, you know, according to, uh, to that one midrash, another two years. So that probably was another humbling experience for him. And then now he finally is exalted once again. And, you know, we have a lot of times in our lives that are like that. We're, go we're going to experience a lot of highs, a lot of blessings in our life, and then we're going to be humbled. And so sometimes we have to think about that humbling situation and we have to think am i being humbled because i have sinned against god is he trying to teach me a lesson or am i being humbled because he's preparing me for something great and i mean whether regardless of whether we're humbled because of something wrong we did or simply because of our faithfulness and we're ready to go to the next level it is it is always a time 
in the humbling times to remain faithful to God and to seek him out, seek his will for our lives and see what we should do and patiently wait for um, for his will and his calling and, and what we should do next. And we should never think that because we are humbled, because we face hard times in our lives, it's because he abandoned us. Because whether we are being disciplined by him or with, whether we are simply being prepared for um, for a, a greater challenge in our life, um, God is still with us. You know, we he he he's always with his children, his the people who call upon his name. Also, you have to see all these connections of Yosef to Shiach ben Yosef, and like connect them. You know how Yosef was humbled, and then also Mashiach was was humbled in a way um, for, us. for us. You know, and, you know. So you, you see all these different connections. If you study Yosef's life, you'll see um, almost not exactly, but you'll see a lot of similarities um, between Shua's life and Shua um, did for us. Let's continue on. Ta'amot Francesca Bat-David Lachumash. The 70 years of surplus that Egypt was enjoying finally came to an end. The 70 years of famine then began, just as Joseph has had predicted. There was a famine in all of the other lands, but in Egypt there was bread. Even eventually, however, all the Egypt, all of Egypt, also began to feel the famine. The people cried out to the Pharaoh for bread. Pharaoh announced to Egypt, Go to Joseph, do whatever he tells you. The famine spread over the entire area. Joseph opened all the storehouses and he rationed the supplies to Egypt. But the famine was growing worse in Egypt. The famine was also growing more severe in the entire area. And people from all over the area came to Egypt to obtain rations from Joseph. Jacob learned that there were provisions in Egypt, and he said to his sons, Why are you fantasizing? I have heard that there are supplies in Egypt, he explained. You go there and buy food. Let us live and not die. Joseph's ten brothers went to buy grain in Egypt, but Jacob did not send Joseph's brother Benjamin along with the others. Something might happen to him, he said. Israel's sons came to buy rations along the, with the others who came because of the famine in Canaan. Joseph was like a dictator over the land, since he was the only one who, could, who rationed out food for all the people when Joseph's brothers arrived, they prostrated themselves to him with their faces to the ground. That's from the dream. <laughs> Joseph recognized his brothers as soon as he saw them, but he behaved like a stranger and spoke harshly to them. Where are you from, he asked. From the land of Canaan to buy food, they replied. Joseph recognized his brothers, but they did not recognize him. <laughs> Okay. 
he remembered that he had dreamed about them. You are spies, he said to them. You have come to see where the land is exposed to attack. No, my lord, they replied. We are your servants who have come only to buy food. We are sons of all the same man. We are honorable men. We would never think of being spies. No, retorted Joseph. You have come to see where the land is exposed. We are twelve brothers, they pleaded. We are the sons of one man who is in Canaan right now. The youngest brother is with our father, and one brother is gone. I still say that you are spies, replied Joseph. There is only one way that you can convince me. By Pharaoh's life, all of you will leave this place unless will not leave this place unless your younger brother comes here. Let one of you go back and bring your brother. The rest will remain here under arrest. This will test your claim and determine if you are telling the truth. If not, by Pharaoh's life, you will be considered spies. Joseph had them placed under arrest for three days. On the third day, Joseph said to them, if you do as I say, you will live. I fear the God. All right. That's it. Yeah. Do we have any comments on this one? It said he was like a dictator, controlled the food. <laughs> I guess when someone controls your food, you're pretty much in the, you you have to do what they say. Right? Kind of like you know how parents control the food of the children <laughs> and dessert, especially. We always use we always use the dessert the dessert rationing you know the dessert card. Oh, if you do this, you get some dessert. Or if you don't do this, you're not going to get dessert. You know, we do that all the time, right? Well, this is food. Uh, like even more. Yeah, but this is the kind of things, the power that he had. Right. Okay, let's continue. Okay. Um, yeah. Yeah. We will see if you are really being candid. One of you will be held hostage in the same building where you kept under arrest. The rest can go and bring supplies to your hungry families. Bring your youngest brother here and your claim will be substantiated. Then you will not die. They agreed to this, but they said to one another, We deserve to be punished because of what we did to our brother. We saw him suffering when he pleaded with us, but we did not listen. 
That's why his great misfortune has come upon us now. Reuben interrupted him. Don't, didn't I tell you not to commit a crime <laughs> against the boy? He said, you wouldn't listen. Now a divine accounting is being demanded for his blood. Meanwhile, they did not realize that Joseph was listening since they had spoken to him through a translator. Joseph left them and wept, and when he returned, he spoke to them sternly again. He said Simon, he had Simon taken from them and placed in chains before their eyes. Joseph gave orders that when their bags were filled with grain, each one's money should also be placed on his, in his sack. They were also to be given provisions for the journey. This was done. The brothers then loaded the food and they, they brought on their donkeys, and they departed. When they came to the place where they spent the night, one of them opened his sack to feed his donkey. He saw his money right there on top of his pack. My money has been returned, he exclaimed to his brothers. It's in my pack. Their hearts sank. What is this that God has done to us? They asked each other with trembling voices. When they came to their father Jacob in the land of Canaan, they told him about all that happened to them. The man who was the lord of the land spoke, spoke to us harshly, they said. And he charged us with spying on the land. We said to him, We are honorable, honorable men. We have never been spies. We are twelve brothers, all of the same father. One of us has been lost, and the youngest is now with our father in Canaan. The man, who was the, with the, the man who was the lord of the land said to us, I have a way of knowing, knowing if you are honorable. Leave one of your brothers with me. Take what you need of your hungry, for your hungry families and go. Bring your youngest brother back to me, and then I will know that you are honorable man, men and not spies. I will give your brother back to you, and we'll, you will be able to do business in our land. They began emptying their sacks, and each one's money was found to be in his sack. The brothers and their family saw the, the money bags, and they were afraid. Their father Jacob said to them, You're making me lose my children. Joseph is gone. Simon is gone. Now you want to take Benjamin. <laughs> Everything is happening to me. Reuben tried to reason with his father. If you do not bring Benjamin back to you, he said, you can put my two sons to death. Let him be my responsibility, and I will bring him back to you. My son will not go with you, replied Jacob. His brother is dead, and he is all I have left. Something may happen to him along the way, and you will bring my white head down to the grave in misery. The famine became worse in the area. When they had used up all the supplies they had brought from Egypt, the father said to them, go back and get us a little food. Judah tried to reason with him. He said, The man warned us, Do not peer before me unless your brother is with you. If you consent to send a brother with us, we will go and get food. But if you will not send him, we cannot go. The man told us, Do not peer before me unless your brother is with you. Israel said, Why do you do such a terrible thing to me, telling the man that you had another brother? The brothers replied, The man kept asking about us and your family. He asked, Is your father still alive? Do you have another brother? We simply answered his questions. How were we to know that he would demand that we bring our brother here? Send the boy with me, said Judah to his father Israel. Let us not set out and get going. Let us set out and get going. Let's live and not die, we, you, and also our children. I myself will be responsible for him. You can demand him from my own hand. If I do not bring him back and have him stand here before you, I will have sinned for all time. But if we have not waited so long, we could have been here, there, and back twice by now. Their father, father Israel said to them, If that's the way it must be, this is what you must do. Take some of the land's, most famous, the land's famous products in your baggage. 
a little balsam, a little honey, and some gum resin, pistachio nuts, and almonds. Take along twice as much money so that you will be able to return the money that was put atop on the, at the top of your packs. It might have been an oversight. And your brother, take him. Go and return to the man. May God Almighty grant you grant that the man have pity on you and let you go along with your older brother and Benjamin. If you must lose, if I must lose my children, then I will lose them. The brothers took the gift and also bought along, brought along twice as much money as was needed. They set out with Benjamin and went to Egypt. Once again, they stood before his household. Bring these men to the palace. Wait, was that done? Yeah. Once again, they stood before his. Right. All right. Any comments? Um, I saw an interesting thing here. I mean, oftentimes it. it it said it said the name of Jacob and Israel. It called it called Jacob and Jacob Jacob and Israel. It called him both his names in this part in this um, oh yeah. So I'm just wondering like, if there's like, some type of what the sages have said about that. I just thought it was kind of interesting that it kind of, it kind of switched in the middle of Parsha from calling him Jacob, then it started calling him Israel from that. then on. Um, I in in Yosef's story, I think that there is um, an important lesson about forgiveness here. Um, I think there's a very false notion of forgiveness that sometimes religious people teach, which is that you know when someone wrongs you, you should just forgive them, and that's it, and then the relationship should be exactly as before as if nothing happened. And I think that that is very harmful. And it can also be very empowering to people who are, who are evil and wicked. And I believe that Seth's story right here shows, I believe the proper way to both forgive, but also protect. And so from this story, you know, it's, it's my belief that from the very beginning, he didn't, you know, he didn't, he wasn't trying to punish his brothers for what they did to him, because what they did to him was actually worthy of death, right? Um, the punishment, according to Judaism, according to Torah, of kidnapping is death. That is the punishment, that's the rightful punishment for kidnapping someone. And that's essentially what they did. They kidnapped Yosef, and they sold him into slavery. So this thing, the things that he did to them were not to punish him according to what they deserved because they stole his life from him, what could have been his life with his family. And he, and he was forced to live a different life, but he, but he wasn't in any kind of, it didn't seem like he you know, reg regretted anything or he was angry. What this was about was more about testing their character to see if they had changed, you know, they, you know, he, he saw his brothers again and, um, you know, he wanted to help them and he wanted to help them and their families 
and his father, he wanted to help them. It was in his heart to help them and not to hurt them. Because he could have done much worse to his brothers, but yet still helped his father. You know, he really could have. He, he could have put them all to death besides Benjamin, if he really wanted to. They deserved it for what they did to him. But that's not what he did. He didn't punish them in that way. But what he did do was he ensured that his brothers had changed so that he, he knew what kind of relationship to have with him, whether to accept them, to accept them in such a way as if, you know, like what kind of relationship, you know, like, for example, if, if someone, if someone is, is abusive to you, whether physically or, or whatnot, emotionally, mentally abusive to you, you can forgive them, but that doesn't mean that you have to, that, that the relationship has to be exactly the same as it was before. In order to protect yourself, in order to protect your family, sometimes boundaries have to be set up. And that doesn't mean that you don't forgive them, but what it means is that you have to have the right kind of relationship with them, the kind of relationship that will, that will not um, put you or your family or your life, your occupation, you know, something like that, your business, whatever, in harm's way. And a lot of times we'll have the, the fortitude to, to, to practice this kind of wisdom when it comes to financial matters, when it comes to business matters. But sometimes people don't practice that, those kinds of healthy boundaries when it comes to themselves and their families. And the result is things like repeated abuse. And sometimes when this abuse doesn't become checked, when it's not put in check, it, it can become even worse than that. So I think this is a very healthy way to um, understand what, forgive, what forgiveness is and what forgiveness isn't. Forgiveness doesn't mean that you are a doormat and that you should subject yourself to repeated abuse or um, you know, whatever, whatever negative thing from someone who has offended you. You can forgive someone, but, but still, set up boundaries. Yeah. Yeah, I think also be, J, J, Yosef, Yosef didn't do this. Um, he didn't punish. He wasn't punishing them because he saw like it was it was Hashem's plan, you know. And I'm sure what, when he saw them bowing to them, him, he probably remembered his dream, you know. Um, but at the same time, he knew like still wanted to see if they have, had changed, you know, because he didn't, he didn't need to trust them. He just knew that Hashem's will was being done, but he didn't need to trust them, you know. Hashem's will can be done through bad people. You don't need to trust the bad people. You know? But, um, but you know, obviously they did turn around, and, and he heard, and he overheard them, you know, that they were sorry. They felt bad. They, you know, and that made him, made him cry that first time. You know? So he's seen that they've changed, but he wants to like make sure, you know, like double. Like he, he heard he heard them already be for, forgiving. Uh, he heard them already being sorry for what they've done, but he wants to make sure. He wants to, he wants another another um, he wants another affirmation. And, uh, yeah, so, um, so let's read. Uh, now it's now it's Nathan else. Um, Ya'amod Nathan El, Ben Yehudit Lahumash.
Okay, that's a good one. Turn back there. <laughs> Six when Joseph saw Benjamin with him, he said to the overseer of his household, "Bring these men to the palace. Butcher an animal and prepare it. These men will these men will be eating lunch with." The man did as Joseph said. He escorted the brothers to Joseph's palace. When the men realized that they've been brought to Yosef's palace. They were terrified. They're like they, they said, "Are we?" Realized. They realized that they were being brought to Yosef's palace. They're terrified. They said, "We are being brought here because of the money that was put back in our packs last time. We will be framed and convinced our donkeys convicted." And convicted, our donkeys will be and be confiscated. We can even be taken as slaves. When they were at the door of Yosef's palace, they went over to the overseer and spoke to him. If you please, sir, they said, we we originally came to down to buy food. Then we came to the place where we spent the night and we opened our packs. And each man's money was at the top of the pack. It was our own money in its exact weight. We have brought it back. We have brought it back with us. We have also brought other money to buy food. We have no idea who put the money back in our packs. Everything is fine as far as you are in concern, replied the overseer. Don't be afraid. The God and your father worship must place the hidden gift in your packs. I received the money that you paid. With that, he brought Simeon out. The man brought the men the man brought the brothers into Joseph's house and he gave them water so they could wash their feet and had a fodder given to their donkeys. They got their gifts ready for Joseph would come at noon. They since they heard that they they would be eating him. When Joseph arrived home, they presented him with the gifts that they had brought. They prostrated themselves on the ground to him. He inquired to their welfare. Is, is your old father at PCS? Remember, you told me about them. Is he still alive? Your servant, our father, is at PCS. He is still alive. They bowed their heads and prostrated themselves. Jo- Yosef looked up and saw his brother Benjamin, his mother's son. He said, This must be your youngest brother, about whom you told me, to Benjamin. He said, God. Be gracious to you, my son. Okay. Yes. All right. Thank you. So here we have a second time that his brothers are bowing down to him. I mean, and I guess in a way you can say that 
maybe by them bringing ben Benjamin with them this time, that um, that um, you know Yaakov is also um, relenting to the power that Yosef has, and is also I mean not necessarily not literally bowing to Yosef, but he's also like saying that you know Yosef is his ruler by giving up ben Benjamin, and, and and he's probably kind of like. And that way, maybe you could see that it kind of connects to the second dream. All right, let's continue on. Unless anybody else has any other comments. We might not hear you. I'm not sure if our speakers work over here. Uh, our speakers aren't working. So. All right, so let's continue. Um, Ta'amod ahava ba. Ben la Torah la Chumash. out his emotions had been aroused by his brother and he had to weep he went to a room and there he wept he washed his face and came out holding in his emotions he said serve the meal joseph was served by himself and the brothers by themselves 
The Egyptians who were eating with them were also segregated. The Egyptians could not eat with the Hebrews, since this was taboo to the Egyptians. When the brothers were seated before Joseph, they were placed in order of age, from the oldest to the youngest. The brothers looked at each other in, ama in amazement. Joseph set them, sent them portions from his table, giving Benjamin five times as much as the rest. They drank with him and became intoxicated. Joseph gave his overseer special instructions. Fill the men's packs with as much food as they can carry, he said. Place each man's money at the top of his pack. And my chalice, the silver chalice, place it on top of the youngest one's pack, along with the money for his food. The overseer did exactly as Joseph instructed him. With the first morning light, the brothers took their donkeys and were sent on their way. They had just left the city and had not gone far. When Joseph said to his overseers, set out and pursue those men. Catch up with them and say to them, why did you repay good with evil? It's the cup from which my master's master drinks, and he uses it for divination. We did a terrible thing. The overseer caught up with them and replaced exact and repeated the, exactly those words to them. They said to him, Why do you say such things? Heavenly, heaven forbid that we do such a thing. After all, we brought back brought you back the money we found at the top of our packs, all the way from Canaan. How could we steal silver or gold from your master's house? If any of us has it in his possession, he shall die. You can take the rest of us for slaves. It should be as you declare, he replied. Only the one with whom it is found will be my slave. The rest will be able to go free. Each one quickly lowered his pack to the ground, and when they all opened their packs, the overseer inspected each one, beginning with the oldest and ending with the youngest. The chalice was found in Benjamin's pack. The brothers tore their clothes in grief. Each one reloaded his donkey, and they returned to the city. When Judah and his brothers came to Joseph's place, he was still there. They threw themselves on the ground before him. Joseph said to them, What did you think you were doing? Don't you realize that a person like me can determine the truth by divination? What can we say to my Lord, replied Judah? How can we speak? How can we prove our innocence? God has uncovered our old guilt. Let us be your slaves, we and the one in whose possession the chalice was found. Heaven forbid that I do that, said Joseph. The one who, in whose possession the chalice was found shall be my slave. The rest of you go in peace to your father. This is the cliffhanger. The cliffhanger um, tour portion, I call it. I think I think this is where these cliffhanger stories have originated. <laughs> the last two portions. The last one kind of did, yeah, kind of. But this one's even more. It's like right in the middle of the story. It's like. Anyway. It's like you know how in the Incredibles when. What's interesting is. Is here, um, you know, he can't he can't um, contain his emotions when he sees his youngest brother. But he also gives him another test. He gives him a few tests. I think the second another test that he gives him is he wanted to see if they would be jealous of of the youngest brother, maybe in a way. Um, so he gave the youngest. He gave ben Benjamin this extra food and things to see if his brothers would get jealous. And the way he tested um, that is also he let them get drunk too. Usually when people get drunk, they, they're they more free with their emotions and thoughts and things, and they share stuff that they might not normally share. And so, you know, they're, you know, they're drunk, but they're still not 
doesn't say they're, they're jealous of, of Benjamin. So in some way, I feel like it, maybe that was another test um, that Yosef gave them. Um, yeah. And also he, you know, uh, you know, also they were all sat in, in the order of their age, which much must have, you know, they must have been like, this is, how, how did this happen? You know, how did we get seated by order of our age? You know, that's kind of interesting. Because, you know, when you're little kids, you can tell pretty much which one's older or younger most of the time. But um, when you're older, it's not as easy. Like I have an older brother, and he looks younger, maybe a little younger than me, but he, yeah, he, I think he does look younger than me. Because, you know, he has all his hair, and it's all nice and dark, you know, whereas you know, mine's all gray. And I have a big, long beard, makes me look older, and my, my older brother's all clean shaven so it makes him look younger so you know you know in that regard you can't just like look at a group of men and think oh this one's older than this one and this one's older than this one you know when they they're pretty probably pretty close in ages anyways so it's pretty pretty amazing to them they would have been like they would have been amazed you know why does it matter i mean i guess like wouldn't you be surprised if you were sat down at a table that you've never, you don't even know who this person was, and he sat you down with all the Giobi brothers, and you were right in the right order. You came right after Vinny, and you're sitting there, and then the next brother came, and you guys are all in the same exact age order, and the guy didn't ever know you at all. Would you be surprised? <laughs> I would. I'd be like, what? How did he sit us in the right spot? You know, like, how did he know? How did he know that, right? How did he know that? Yeah, exactly. Right, anyway. It's funny that I have to convince Nathaniel that he would be amazed about something that he would be amazed about. <laughs> All right. So that's it. Let's um, finish up. Get Virgil to do the Haftarah here. Ya'amod avichayil ben reven the Haftarah.
Wait, no, that's the third day. Yeah, let's continue, let's continue then. Seventh, oh yeah. Rosh Kodesh. Third day, Hanukkah. Oh yeah, fourth day, Hanukkah. Sixth day, Hanukkah. Miket is divided into six aliyot. The Rosh Kodesh reading. Page 380 is the seventh aliyah. And the Hanukkah reading is read as the Mahir. Seventh day Hanukkah. We should be reading Zephyr. All On all these days, the Haftarah reading is replaced with the reading of Shavuot. Shavuot Hanukkah. When the last day of Hanukkah coincides, this Shabbat, 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 the Hanukkah readings are here. Yes. 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 I'm confused. Chapter 214 through 47. Let's read Zechariah chapter 2, 14 through 47. Zechariah 2, 14 through 47. Yeah. Okay. So we don't, should we do the Rosh Hodesh part? Yes, we should. Yeah, it's Rosh Hodesh. Rosh Hodesh. Numbers 28. Let's peace, please. It's Rosh Hodesh. Oh, do the regular car. Do the blessing afterwards. Oh, should I do the math too? Because yeah. it's different? Because it's Rosh Hodesh, yeah, Rosh do the math too. Okay. It's different. Well, click, click on math too then. Yeah, I did. By Hashishi Na Nasi Livne God Elias Ben de Uel Carbano Carat Kesef Carat Kesef Mishkala, Mishkala, Mizarak Echad Kesef, Shiv Im Shekel, Bish Beshekel, Akodesh, Shnehem, Shnehem, Mela. Melain Sol Solet Belula Ba 
One silver bowl weighing 130 shekels, one silver sprinkling basin weighing 70 shekels, according to the holy shekel, both filled with fine flour mixed with olive oil for a meal offering. One spoon weighing 10 shekels of gold filled with incense. One young bull, one ram, and one lamb in its first year for a burnt offering. One young he goat for a sin offering. And for the peace offering, two oxen, five rams, five he goats, five lambs in their first year. This was the offering of Eliasaf, the son of Israel. Sing and rejoice, O daughter of Zion, for behold, I will come and dwell in your midst, says the Lord. And many nations shall turn the Lord on that day, and they shall be my people. And I will dwell in their midst, and you shall know that the Lord of hosts sent me to you. And the Lord shall inherit Judah and his, as his share of the Holy Land, and he shall again choose Jerusalem. Silence all flesh from before the Lord, for he is aroused out of his holy habitation. And he showed me Joshua, the high priest, standing before the angel of the Lord. And Satan was standing on his right to accuse him. And the Lord said to Satan, The Lord shall rebuke you, O Satan, and the Lord shall rebuke you, he who chose Jerusalem. Is this one not a brand plucked from fire? Now Joshua was wearing filthy garments and standing before the angel. And he, the angel, raised his voice and said to those standing before him, saying, Take the filthy, take the filthy garments off him. And he said to him, See, I have removed your iniquity from you, and I have clad you with clean garments. And I said, let them put a pure mitre on his head. And they put the pure mitre on his head. And they had clothed him with garments while the angel of the Lord was standing. And the angel of the Lord warned Joshua, saying, 
So said the Lord of hosts, If you walk in my ways, and if you keep my charge, you too shall judge my house, and you too shall guard my courtyards, and I will give you free access among these who stand by. Hearken now, O Joshua, the high priest, the, O Joshua the high priest, you and your companions who sit before you, for they are men worthy of a miracle. For behold, I bring my servant, the shoot. For behold, the stone that I have placed before Joshua, seven eyes are directed to one stone. Behold, I untie its knot, says the Lord of hosts, and I will remove the iniquity of that land in one day. On that day, says the Lord of hosts, you shall call each man to his neighbor to come under his vine and under his fig tree. And the angel who spoke with me returned, and he awakened me as a man who wakes up from his sleep. And he said to me, What do you see? And I said, I saw, and behold, there was a candelabrum, all of gold, with oil bowl on top of it, and its seven lamps thereon, seven tubes to each of the lamps that were on top. And there were two olive trees near it, one on the right of the bull and one on its left. So I answered and spoke to the angel who talked with me, saying, What are these, my lord? And the angel who spoke with me answered, and he said to me, Do you not know what these are? And I said, No, my lord. And he answered and spoke to me, saying, This is the word of the Lord to Zerubbabel, saying, Not by military force and not by physical strength, but by my spirit, says the Lord of hosts. Who are you, O great mountain? Before Zerubbabel you sink to a plain. You will bring out the stone of the main architect with shouts of grace, grace to it. So says the Lord, the heavens are my throne and the earth is my footstool. Which is the house that you will build for me and which is the place of my rest? And it shall be from new moon to new moon and from Sabbath to Sabbath that all flesh shall come to prostrate themselves before me, says the Lord. And they shall go out and see the corpses of the people who rebelled against me, where their worm shall not die and their fire shall not be quenched and they shall all... And they shall be an abhorring for all flesh. And it shall be from new moon to new moon, and from Sabbath to Sabbath, that all flesh shall come to prostrate themselves before me. I lost my place. First Samuel chapter 20. Okay. And Jonathan said to him, Tomorrow is the new moon, and you will be remembered, for your seat will be vacant. And Jonathan said to David, Go in peace, and bear in mind that we have sworn, both of us, in the name of the Lord, saying, May the Lord be between me and you, and between your, my descendants and your descendants forever. Mm -hmm. Now I say the closing lesson. Yeah. Baruch <laughs> Have compassion upon Zion, for it is the source of our lives, and deliver the Jew hearted to be in our days. Bless you, Hashem, her bolsters. Cause the shoe of David to sprout forth and lift up his wind for your salvation. Bless you, Hashem, shield of David. Grant us rest, for you are our Father, and rule over us speedily, for you are our King. Bless you, Hashem, sanctify the Shabbat.
it read we read in Numbers, I think, because it because it coincides with the sixth day of Hanukkah, and it was talking about the sixth day of this uh, of the new, of the temple, the tabernacle being inaugurated or something. So that that's why we read that one, I think. And then and and then when we I think the reason why we read um, Zechariah the the Haftarah. That was the Maftir, right? The sixth day one. I think we read in the Zechariah one is because the it talks about the menorah, yes, at the end. And then, and then at the very end, it talks about the Rosh Hodesh. You know, that was in Samuel. That's how we often And my wife is going to give some more. Well, I just I just wanted to say um, about you know a lot of people, especially in the Hebrew roots movement, they they condemn you know the observance of Hanukkah because it's not commanded in the Bible. Well, there are a lot of things that are not commanded in the Bible, but we do them. That doesn't mean that it's a sin just because it's not commanded to do in the Bible. Um, we're not breaking any commandments, <laughs> and actually, we are remembering. Um, we are remembering something that was prophesied in the book of Daniel. The events of Hanukkah were prophesied in the book of Daniel, and it's a celebration of the rededication of the temple and, um, the, and you know, the restoration of the, the, the relighting of the menorah, which was supposed to be lit eternally. And so that is Torah. So it's, we're celebrating things that were, that were um, first commanded in Torah, that were reestablished during this time. And we're also re remembering a date that was prophesied in the book of Daniel, which happened in this time. Um, and, and without Hanukkah, without the, the holiday of Hanukkah, there would be, there would be no Christmas. <laughs> Even though, you know, Christmas is, you know, there's a lot of problems with Christmas, but, you know, there would be no, there would be no Yeshua. There would, there would be no. Um, it would be completely, it would be a completely different story, right? There would be no tie um, from Christianity to Judaism without this. This is the tie that, this is the tie that Hashem chose, right? It was, it was the temple. It was, it was the restoration of the temple. This is the same temple that, that Yeshua walked. Now, um, I know that there are legends in Christianity that um, Yeshua was born on the 25th of December, and then they celebrate, and this is, I think, in more Orthodox Christian uh, circles, and then they, so they celebrate the birth of Yeshua, or Jesus, on the t December 25th, and then his circumcision on the, um, on the 1st of January. So I don't know, I don't know about the, the veracity of, of all that, we do know that there are, are pagan, you know, there are pagan legends about, um, a, you know, a pagan god, Tammuz, being born at that time. So, um, but even, or, even before the Christmas legend, um, or maybe not before, but written down after the Christmas legend, but I believe known to Judaism even before, um, the birth of Yeshua um, during Second Temple times is the legend of Adam. And I don't know how many people know about this. I know 
Rabbi Foreman talks about this in the Aleph Beta videos, but there's a legend in the Talmud about how Adam, um, when the seasons started changing, so in, in Eden, the, everything was perfect, right? There was paradise. And so when, when the leaves started falling, he started, um, he started, he started getting sad. But when, and, and the days started getting shorter and he knew that this, this change was because of his sin. Um, you know, the, the, the leaves were all, always supposed to be green. There wasn't supposed to be these harsh seasons. It was supposed to be an eternal paradise. And the days were getting shorter and he feared that, that, that the sunlight would go away altogether, that there would be no more sun. But when, um, but when solstice, when solstice happened and the days started getting longer again, Adam actually celebrated. He rejoiced that the, the, the coming, you know, the, 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 the darkness, the days of darkness wouldn't, wouldn't go so far that it would always be darkness and that, that there would never be light. And so that's what solstice stands for. And it's another thing that December 25th stand, stands for um, um, in, in other cultures is that the daytime started, you know, the days, the, the sunlight hours started increasing again. And so this is recorded in our Talmud. So um, meaning that, that uh, the, the origins of the celebration of solstice um, may not have been pagan after all. If this legend is true, then the first celebrator of the solstice was Adam himself. And it was a sign to him from the heavens um, that God was not going to um, take the sunlight away completely forever. And then Okay. Let's turn to page seventy-seven. Does it have to do with our Torah portion? Kind of. Well, it was. It was. It has to do with what Quran was. Okay. Go ahead. If Adam and Eve didn't sin, we would all be vegan. Um, we would. Um, but would we? So people were supposed to live forever, right? So if we were vegan, we wouldn't die. No, because back then the plants had enough nutrients, just the same as without meat. Yeah. Exactly. And now today. Yeah. Vegan. Don't go vegan. <laughs> things have changed. A lot of things have changed, including what the vegetables that we eat. Now, now God told us. Moral, the moral of the yeah. story: Don't become a giraffe. Because don't become a giraffe. Meat, meat, eating meat is a sin. Some, some people. People think that. Very few. Yeah. Okay. Page 77, Psalm 145. David, Erom Imcha Elohai Hamelek, Avra Kadol Adonai Umhalame Od, 
Bilig du lato en kecher, do le do ya sabach masecha, ukburachtecha ya gidu, hedarke vodhodecha, niva elipotecha atzika, bezus noratecha yomeru, ukdulatecha atzaprena, zecherav tuchecha ya biu, besicha checha yerenenu, Chanun berachum Adonai, Merecha pa'i mugdoch aset, Tov Adonai la'kob, Rakamav akom asap, Yoduka Adonai komasecha, Bechasidecha yerechucha, Kavod machutecha yomeru, Uburatecha yadaberu, Ledi'elivadei adam gebrotav, Ukvod ha'adam achuto, machut yomachut kol olamim, umem shatecha bechod ovador, zameik adonai lekoh hanuflim, bezokef lekol hakefupim, enei kol alecha yasaberu, ve'atanoten lechem atam beito, koteyake yadecha, umatzbi alecho karaton, Tzadik Adonai bekol derechav, lechasid bekol maasav, korov Adonai lekol koreav, lekol ashir kreu veemet, rotson nereav yase, veet shavatam yishma yoshiem, shume Adonai et kol olavav, veet kol ashmaim yashmid, tel nayada bepi, Vivarek ko basar shem kodcho le'olam ba'eh. All right. Let's see. Let's do the Misha Berak, page 85. When I say, um, may he bless the sick, say the person's name out loud. May the one who bless our fathers and our mothers, Avraham, Yitzhak, and Yaakov, Sarah, Rivka, Rachel, and Leah, May he bless the sick. Maim Batsara. Debbie. Sela. Mustatabias. Alex. Maddie. May the Holy Blessed One overflow with compassion upon them to restore them, to heal them, to strengthen them, to rejuvenate them. May he send them speedily a complete healing from heaven, a healing of the soul and a healing of the body speedily without delay. And let us all say, Amen. All right. And prayer for our government, our God and God of our ancestors, accept with mercy our prayer for our land and its government. Pour out your blessing on this land, on its president, judges, officers, and officials. Work faithfully for the public good. Teach them from the laws of your Torah. Enlighten them with the rules of your justice so that peace, tranquility, happiness, and freedom will never depart from our land. God of all that lives, please bestow your spirit on all the inhabitants of our land. We plant love, fellowship, peace, and friendship between the different communities and faiths that dwell here. Uproot from their hearts all hate, animosity, jealousy, and strife. In order to fulfill the longings of its people who aspire for its dignity and desire to see it as a light for all nations. And so may it be God's will that our land be a blessing for all who live on earth and that fellowship and liberty will dwell between them. Establish soon the vision of your prophet. Nation will not raise sword against nation. And they will no longer learn war. And as it is said, for all of them will know me, from the smallest to the greatest.
And now let us do the the Musaf, uh, our own personal Musaf. So we'll go back to page 36. Let us stand. Take three steps back and three steps forward and um, do your own personal Musaf Amidah. Remember to do the, the Rosh Chodesh and Hanukkah blessings in there.
Still doing their personal army God, continue to do so. Return to page 88 for the aim for the family. Who who is who is like our God? Who is like our Lord? Who is like our King? Who is like our Deliverer? <laughs> Adonai, Mashem Allah, 
בטרם כה יציניבה, לעת נשא בחפשו כה, אזי מלך שמו נקרא, ואחרי כגות הכל, לבדו ימלוך נורא, והוא היה והוא הווה, והוא יהיה בתפארה, והוא אהב ואין שני. להמשילה להגבירה, ולי ראשית ולי תקליט, ולא העוד להמשרה, והוא אלי וחי גואלי, וצור חבלי ועת שרה, והוא ניסי ומנוזי, ונקוסי ביום אחד בידו. some word from Yeshua, our great rabbi and Messiah. You are the light of the world. The town built on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on its stand, and it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others, that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. Shabbat Shalom, Happy Hanukkah. Shabbat Shalom, may your Hanukkah menorah shine bright. I have, a, um, I have an announcement. Let's see, I want to get in front of the camera real quick. So we have um, a, a growing um, online community, and I was wondering if we could all get together. I, I was inspired because my son, he, had, he recently had an online virtual Hanukkah party. Uh, right? that he arranged with some of his friends um, in different uh, Messianic youth groups around America, around America, yeah. So, um, I, you know, I was wondering, because, you know, a lot of people, they, um, y'all come on, on Shabbat, online, on Zoom, but we never really get a chance to talk. And really, you know, during Oneg, during lunch, is when we really get to know each other and talk to each other and you know learn about each other's stories and where we're coming from this is how we develop community and 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 um and a bond and so for all the people who can't come in person but join us online i was wondering if we could all get together i don't know if we could do it um maybe today after havdalah or tomorrow um, and I, I would like this to be something that we do like maybe once a month or something where we kind of get together and we just we talk to each other and we share, you know, get to know each other. Um, when do you, every Rosh Chodesh, but sometimes it falls like in the middle of the week. It's possible, yeah. But the first, the first weekend after Rosh Chodesh. Yeah. Well, tonight we're lighting how about tomorrow's Hanukkah party for the last night? Any people here or won't be as... Tomorrow? 
Okay, so do it tonight. Okay. So should we invite, or this is a totally last minute thing, but should we invite people then tonight for Havdalah and menorah lighting and then kind of like a get to know you? And what time is Havdalah? I don't remember. I think it's. Uh, well, we don't. We well, we don't have to use this specific setup, though. Yeah, let me see. Um, so, what time can we do that? Handle Havdalah. Shabbat ends at. Oh yeah, Shabbat ends at six oh eight p.m. So maybe if we could invite everyone at here, over here. So we'll do Havdal at 6.08 p.m. So um, if you'd like to log on at 6.08 p.m., we'll do Havdalah, light the menorah, um, sing some Hanukkah songs, and, 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 then, and then just kind of talk and hang out. And if you come late, you know, that's okay. Um, but just, yeah, so we're going we're gonna to get back on Zoom at 6.08 p.m. Uh, for for Havdalah and then light the menorah and then after we sing some songs for Hanukkah, maybe uh, bring a donut with you or some latkes as we um, as we get to know each other. Enjoy. So, hope you enjoy lunch now. Shabbat shalom. Now, people in India it might not be that easy. Well, we miss you, Gordon. We hope you can come soon. Uh, tomorrow we're having a Hanukkah party, party, Gordon. So if you can come tomorrow, that would be nice. I, you know, if you feel a little bit better tomorrow. <laughs> no class today either. No class. No class today. We'll just do the Havdalah and and, and Menorah, and uh, get to know you tonight. Okay. I hope you I hope as many of you who can can come, okay? Shabbat shalom. Shabbat shalom.